Welcome to Rules of the Frame. I am your host, Connor Reed, and here is your co-host, John Skinner, which I'm assuming he's not happy to be here today. No, it's a very happy life day today. Okay. <laughs> so for those of you who are listening in for the first time, we are a film podcast. We pick a subject or theme and explore films related to those topics. Our overall goal is to encourage the general public to view film as more than just a piece of art, but something to discuss and explore. So we're in our films they hid from a series right now and we're doing probably the most infamous one aside from maybe like the magnificent ambersons or something like that uh the star wars holiday special we just knew it had to come up and our guest today was actually like the one who like recommended it for us he's a good friend of mine uh chris writings and back whenever i we were starting the podcast like two years ago i remember telling you about this and you saying like okay anytime you do something Star Wars, then you have to have me on. And so this is the first time we've done like anything Star Wars. And so I'm sorry that this is the first episode that you have to be on. Yeah, it's true. And I've been wondering, like, for a while, I thought you just forgot about that statement, but I'm glad you remembered it. I was like wondering why you asked me to be here for this one. Exactly why. Yeah, because this has been like such a weird series of like trying to figure out stuff that we actually want to cover and films that are worth talking about and it's been very different from all of our previous episodes where we're usually just kind of digging into I don't know the depth or all of like the different craft of things and then this is just like these movies are really bad and here's why and it's been fun to be able to do that and so Chris I'm, I'm glad that uh, you get to join us today if you want to give yourself a, a little brief introduction on yourself in the world of film and in Star Wars like Connor said my name is Chris I am a pretty big Star Wars fan. You could practically say I live it, and that's because I work at uh, Galaxy's Edge, which is in Disney's Hollywood Studios, and I sell blue and green milk to all the thirsty travelers out there, and I also work at Oga's Cantina. So uh, Star Wars is, yeah, I read the books, I, I read the comics, and I like to watch the movies and TV shows, so hopefully I can offer some good insight especially about this and yeah film background connor and i studied film together so but this is not what i would consider film no it's just fun (laughs) i think people could even make an argument of saying that we shouldn't be covering this because it isn't like a theatrical movie but then again we've also done other episodes where we like cover animated short films and all that so it's the rules are loose too late too late too late. We're we're now we're transitioning into a mid seventies variety show podcast. Yeah. That's all we're doing. That's now. what we're reviewing variety shows from the late seventies. That's what everyone wants to hear and people talk about, especially people who weren't around and during that time period. Uh, there, there's less artistry that we're going to be discussing. Yes, or failed artistry. Yes, yeah, failed. Artistry. Less less of a vision and more uh, just commercialism, kind of playing at the forefront of all of this. I'll get us started off with a description of the film. So sometime after the destruction of the Death Star, Han Solo and Chewbacca are headed to the Wookiee planet of Kashyyyk to celebrate Life Day with Chewie's family. 
but their road trip is brought to a halt when Imperial forces appear and chase them. We are then introduced to Chewie's wife, Mala, his father, Itchy, and his son, Lumpy. They grow worried for him and try to distract themselves. Itchy grabs a holotape of an alien circus to entertain Lumpy. Mala checks the surrounding area for incoming ships, but there are none. She then calls up Luke Skywalker to see if he has heard from them, but he had also expected them to be there by now. Afterwards, she rings up a local trader who is in the midst of dealing with an Imperial officer. When the officer leaves, the trader heads on his way to the Chewbacca household. While she is waiting, Mala watches a cooking tape on how to make Bantha surprise, but then becomes frustrated that she can't do all the tasks that the multi-limbed instructor is doing. The trader shows up at the house bringing gifts for all of the family members. He gives a tape to Itchy that he puts in a VR-like headset that projects an astral image of Diane Carroll. She then seduces Itchy and sings to him. Mala calls up Princess Leia to see if she has heard from the duo, but she is as clueless as they are. Imperial troops show up at the Chewbacca household and start harassing the Wookiees. The traitor intervenes and calms down both sides. A questioning soldier tries messing with the machine the traitor brought, so he sets it up for him, and an intergalactic band shows up and starts singing a song. Meanwhile, Lumpy goes over to a small computer and watches a cartoon about his father's adventures. The commanding officer becomes suspicious of the missing Wookiee from the records and orders his troops to search the house for evidence of rebel activity. Two troopers tear up Lumpy's room and his toy Bantha, while Lumpy is cleaning up the mess, he watches an instructional video on how to set up a machine that the trader gave him. Downstairs, an Imperial transmission appears that shows what life is like on Tatooine. We see a local cantina where an alien with a mouth for a head starts harassing the bartender. They also receive an Imperial broadcast declaring a curfew for all residents, and the bartender struggles to get everyone to leave, so she sings them a song, and they cooperate. Back on Kashyyyk, Lumpy has constructed the device, and it emits false imperial frequency commanding the troops to return to base the commanding officer leaves one trooper to wait the return of the missing wookie the trooper then realizes the signal is coming from upstairs and goes up and smashes the machine and chases lumpy outside just then chewie and han show up and knock the guard off the railing of the balcony han says hi to the family and then leaves them to celebrate life day they don red robes and light up orbs and are transported to a location with all of the main cast and a horde of wookies Princess Leia sings a song for them, and they return to their home and finish the day together. Happy Life Day. So yeah, my my two words for this film are lost control. It's just such an obvious example of a beloved story and world that totally just gets taken off the rails. And I don't think it was because of anything where CBS was trying to pull a fast one over George Lucas or anything. He was literally just so distracted by Empire Strikes Back and marketing for Star Wars that he's just like, okay, you guys just take care of this. Here's the basic story. That's all you need to do. Uh, I'm going to go work on something else. But I think it's also a testament to how, how Star Wars can outlast like even just some of the bad stuff and just like how it's kind of the most like tried and true franchise that we really have where even though there's been like a lot of bad stuff in it it's still just like one of the most beloved pieces of pop culture and of film and yeah it just feels like it can survive anything because of this yeah mine is similar mine is creative failure and i say that because it's similar similar to you where uh, i think it's not i don't think this is just the story of of george lucas not being involved i think it's the story of him being a little bit stubborn at the beginning with he was just really focused on this has to be a story of Wookiees 
And so you have this weird kind of Star Wars-y requirement for this variety show, and then that's it, and then they have to build off of that. And so you have this... You know, I feel like if this had just been literal, no, like, no adherence to... Because they, they sent them standards of, like, how Wookiees have to act and stuff. If they had... If it had been a complete, just no one was involved, it would have been forgotten, I think, a little quicker. But it's this unique mix of, yeah, it is set on Star Wars planets, and there's a little bit of Star Wars feel to it. You know, the way the Star tro- Stormtroopers act does feel very serious and, and dramatic. And then you have it set in a suburban home, basically. And so there's this really weird contrast between it's a variety show set in a wood-paneled house with machined banisters outside. <laughs> like, everything's very, like, normal Earth, and then you have this Star Wars, this lame Star Wars story happening, and it creates this really freaking weird... It's just a really weird feeling watching it. And I, I honestly, to me, this is one of the... This is the weirdest Star Wars thing that's ever been done, by far, <laughs> I think, and... I know we're talking about it being, you know, we may talk about it being beloved, but I actually think it's sort of, for, it is forgotten. And oh, Star yeah. Wars fans will watch it, but, like, it's hard to watch. Like, it's not, like, this lovable, dank nonsense the entire time. It gets so long that it's hard to watch. And it's not, like, so bad it's good. It's so bad it's good and then goes back into being bad again. And so it's kind of interesting to look at because it sort of tells us, what happens when Star Wars isn't completely controlled by Lucas or, you know, mm-hmm. whoever owns the rights to, to Star Wars? Yeah, I agree with those. But uh, my two <laughs> words were uninspired and disconnected, similar mm-hmm. to what both of you guys have been saying. But it, it really just felt like it was <laughs> not necessarily Star Wars, especially when they kept trying to throw musical numbers in to make it more of a holiday special that just were really getting away from what people liked about Star Wars and then the art that came in the first film and a lot of the inspirations that brought on that first film like other films that George Lucas kind of pulled from none of that was seen in the holiday special it was all just like a gimmick yeah for potentially selling toys that they ended Mm -hmm. up not selling because it was too bad (laughs) so yeah they just didn't have the source of Star Wars other than by name there's something very strange like we're entering a world we don't understand and i don't know like star wars is very 70s but it's sort of like i feel like in some ways the most beloved part of 70s culture and so Mm -hmm. everything sort of seems normal i'm sure there's you know people that will look at han solo's vest and think oh that's star wars before they think that's a 70s like you're dressed like person from the 70s so it's weird going back into something that's very 70s very of its time and there's a lot of this stuff where it's like foreign to us like for example i believe the film was still in theaters when this was when this was on tv correct um, i think it was I an think, attempt to get people to go see it i think it had finished its run like the summer of 78 and then this came okay, out okay cuz i was thanksgiving i was reading something about at least previously they had had the the cantina band on tv shows variety mm-hmm. shows and their version of late night shows and it had helped their their box office at the time. And so that was sort of the inspiration for this was, oh, okay, if we go on TV, we can we can sort of help um the brand at least. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I think that's box office. I think yeah. that was right. It was also for like trying to sell toys and then also 
get people excited about Empire because that was in the works. So especially mm-hmm. to get people to come back to Star Wars or to buy Star Wars. Like I was talking with my parents about this, but they were talking about when they were alive during this time, different characters like Luke kept appearing in other shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mark Hamill would show up. And so then they were just like, okay, let's just make it a whole Star Wars holiday special thing and yeah. get all of the people to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I can get into the now in film history to kind of set the stage for us. George Lucas directs the first Star Wars film that comes out in 1977. It's a huge hit and is just beloved. It doesn't like immediately take off. It takes like a little bit, but then so much hype is gained around like just all the marketing and the toys and everyone is just astonished at what has happened because this is just a different look at sci-fi because previous to this, you have something like 2001 A Space Odyssey that is just like miles ahead of anything else and incomparable and no one else has ever done anything like it, but it's also very serious. It's not something that you're going to take your kids to for like a fun space adventure. And there's like a lot of really dumb sci-fi movies before this that just aren't super well made. Like you can see wires in space and it's just like it doesn't feel like a complete world. And that the realm of sci-fi is kind of more held in TV at this point, like the action adventure, more science fantasy, where you have stuff like Star Trek and Flash Gordon. And so Lucas decides to take elements from all of it and turn it into Star Wars. And it's a big hit because it combines good special effects with good action and adventure and an amazing world that he builds. So there's this mania that's going on for it, and it's completely changing the way that sci-fi films are going to look from here on out. He doesn't want to do like the clean, crisp world building. Like he he has this rule that he adheres to, where he tries to make things like look like an old Chevy instead of like a brand new car that has just come out. So it's a very lived-in universe, and so this world just takes off. People can't get enough of it, and it's not going to be until a couple more years later that the second film comes out and they're wanting to keep the hype of Star Wars going for these years in between. Uh, It's already had a huge run. Like we said, it's run until like the summer of 1978, which is just absolutely crazy. And in order for them to boost the sales of the toys, which has already just skyrocketed, like stores are literally having to have people send in pieces of cardboard to get their toys like a year later from whenever they actually ordered them. And so in order to kind of boost these sales, keep the hype going, George Lucas is trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do to keep Star Wars relevant right now? And CBS pitches to him, we should do a holiday special. And he's like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. So he goes in, he sits down, he kind of writes an outline for the script and like comes up with the story. And then from there on out, basically most of the process afterwards he's not involved with at all and a lot of the crew from star wars actually comes back on a lot of like the special effects people and sound designers and all of that sort of stuff and producers but there isn't the overarching hand of george lucas throughout all of this and so it all kind of falls apart to different producers who are more from like the television variety series world which is also pretty big in the 70s but is also just about to die out which is just these like hour, 30 minute or hour and a half shows where it's literally just a bunch of musical acts and guest appearances and comedy shows. And it's very like disjunctive. It's not just a straight through storyline. 
it's literally just bringing in different talents to appease people. And so there's these two different worlds combating right now where there's the love and affection for Star Wars and trying to build up that, but then also just the people who don't really understand what Star Wars is and are like, we're going to make something really popular. So that is how the Star Wars Holiday Special comes out. It comes out in 1978, the Friday after Thanksgiving, and it doesn't do super hot. Like it, it, it gets a fair amount of views and the ratings are okay for it, but then it drops off pretty significantly. And then it's just kind of forgotten about until the mid nineties when bootleg tapes of the star Wars holiday special start appearing because it has only aired the one time in the U S and never aired again after that. But people had, had like recorded it onto VHSs and so started selling like bootleg tapes at like conventions and, whenever the internet was really coming in, started uploading it, and now put it out on YouTube, much to the chagrin of all of the people at Lucasfilm and just like all of these people who are working so hard to just kind of make sure it's forgotten and never remembered. And then it starts getting more and more of a cult following. It's still not like crazy well-known, but there are small attempts to kind of bring it more into the foray with, I mean, even stuff like the Lego Star Wars holiday special that just came out where... You know, if you're looking into that and you're like, oh, there's a lot of like homages and that to the holiday special and stuff in The Mandalorian and a lot of the extended, like old extended universe stuff that's no longer canon also references it. And so that's how we got to where it is today. Well, and I don't know if you know this, but where I work in Galaxy's Edge, the planet is Batu, and all of us are technically citizens of that planet. So when I go to work, I'm actually not from Earth, I'm from the planet Batu. Nice. We actually celebrate the Life Day season. Um, it's our way of celebrating Christmas. So we oh. we celebrate Wookiee Holiday Life Day, and we dress in our red robes as the Lord goes, and we all gather around the Black Spire, and we sing songs, and we share our gifts with each other, and we all celebrate it in our own unique ways. But they actually took it and brought it to canon, and so the first time I was... Oh. In the park, well, Life Day is now canon, like for real, That's it's canon because it's yeah. in the, it's in our, it's in our area. And so the first mm-hmm. time we started doing that last year, because that's when we, that that was our first Christmas. Um, some people who knew were like, "What? Why would you make Life Day canon, Lucasfilm?" And I don't know, they just they decided to redeem it, I guess. So okay. it it exists in Star Wars for real, right? Because they do mention it in the Mandalorian at some point. And I think there's other books that are canon now that mention it as well. Like, I think they maybe reference it in, like, the, the Aftermath trilogy. They definitely reference Chewie's son. And so that's canon again. Yeah. And there's I just, like, a like lot of random Aftermath. stuff. Yeah, those books are garbage. Some of the worst books I've ever read in my entire life. They're so bad. I guess I had never seen this until the, the entire thing. I thought, Creed, that we watched this whole thing, but I, I'm missed parts of it because it's so boring it's hard to get through i don't think i ever got to the animated Mm. part i had seen the animated part separately but i had never gotten to it and seen it in context so you missed Um, like a whole 30 minutes then no i think i i quit watching when i tried to watch through it and and probably skipped through stuff in the past Mm -hmm. so like i got to just before when he starts watching i just i know that i never noticed the absurdity that they're like searching for evidence that they are rebels and then he's like let me go watch this cartoon about luke skywalker yeah and like, <laughs> like who made that cartoon <laughs> like 
Why did we make Why a, cartoon a cartoon of this actual event that happened to these characters? <laughs> if they're really with the, the rebellion, it's super weird. Who animated it in the context of Star Wars? Yeah, the the rebellion doesn't have a budget for that kind <laughs> of like, weird propaganda. And like that's by far, I think, the best part of the thing. I think that's sort of universally considered mm-hmm. the best part. And Boba Fett's there. That's his first appearance, and it's pretty cool. Like I would love to see that planet. On like the Mandalorian mm-hmm. or something, actually, that's pretty cool. But like, I had seen that, but I I hadn't seen it in context because uh, so watching the whole thing, there's a couple things that point stuck out at me, and one of them was, what the heck is the Life Day celebration? Like, they're not putting on robes. I mean, you're putting on robes in the park, so it's more normal now. But like, well, we don't put on robes in the park. That's all, like our legend, but we we don't have any costumes uh, okay no so we we dress normal but the rumor the legend is that we all gather around wearing robes um, uh, okay so you just talk about celebrating life day but you don't actually yeah. there's nothing that changes yeah we don't we don't do it yet and at least so they don't put robes on they get transported to a dimension where they are wearing robes together yeah they do like some weird little seance thing sense. where they're sitting at the table with like the orbs and then all of a sudden it just shows all of these robed figures walking through space, going through a portal. It's, I, yeah, I don't, I'm like, is this That's actually That's where it's disconnected. Happening? That's like not necessarily Star Wars, like a whole species doing that weird teleportation thing. And, and the reason why they're wearing the robes, I found out, is because of the budget. So yes, they couldn't afford That's why they yeah. ended up doing Ewoks later because they didn't have budget to make all of the Wookiee costumes, so they only made partial Wookiee costumes and then covered them up with robes. Yeah. So that um, Which like you can totally tell because like you yeah. look at them and they're like those are the skinniest Wookiees I've ever seen. <laughs> so so if they hadn't learned the budget constraints of the Wookiees in this special, if this special had not happened, maybe Lucas would have convinced tricked the studio into giving him going you know letting, letting him go way over budget for jedi and we could have had kashik on return of the jedi like it should have been so. instead of the ewoks which worked out fine i guess but it definitely would have made more sense to have wookies that's really funny to me i love i love how i don't know star wars was beloved at the time but you're still having to hook a tv audience into a movie that they may or may not have seen mm. And because of Lucas saying, I just, the only thing he cared about, it seemed like, from what I've read, is that it was set in, focused around the Wookiee family. And so, you have this TV special starting with a little action sequence to hook people, I guess. Very short. Yeah, which is just recycled footage from A New Hope. Yeah, recycled footage. And then, ten minutes, or whatever, five minutes of of Wookiees screaming at each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You have no idea what they're talking about. It's like, I guarantee you that a huge amount of people switch channels because that is super boring. Mm-hmm. And it's just look at these space animals acting like humans. That's the first bit. And it's so, so boring. Yeah, it was it was weird how human-like they were, too, and how human-like their house was and the toys and the, the kitchen. The carpet. And, yeah, it's like this is not necessarily how Wookiees should be acting that yeah, it's so strange because it seems like the 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 Kashyyyk that they've presented is fully formed in Lucas's mind at least because you look at the map painting of their house and yeah. it looks like what Kashyyyk ends up looking like. 
so there's all this peripheral like extra footage and stuff like the 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 window dressing of the sh- show feels like Star Wars and then as soon as you zoom in on the set it's like it's jarring like the the banisters i'm so obsessed with the banisters outside the house being so clearly machined yep. by what's supposed to be like a a you know hand carved everything they like, do is yeah. supposed to be like this hand carved and like artisan you know planet and it's just like <laughs> very clearly not that and it's like yeah oh it's my the gosh. sears they patio right bare there. minimum effort why would you show that just don't show it so there's a lot of like decisions like that that no one that made those decisions are even remotely familiar with star wars or care and so like it's just a, a house a normal house they they do weird things like they don't say the word upstairs they say the upper section of the house <laughs> so that it's star wars yeah, it, I mean, it really does feel like an example of, like, what would happen if, like, just producers directed Star Wars who didn't have their own singular vision for it, but were like, oh, this is a popular thing. We can make a lot of money off of this. Well, let's do it cheap. And just, like, don't really put, like, a whole lot of cost. I mean, it's it still had a budget of a million dollars, but, like, I mean, Star Wars costs, like, $11 million and... I don't know what they were assuming for a return on profit for this sort of thing, but I mean, it's a lot harder with TV where you're not getting tickets and that sort of thing. Like I know a lot of it is to promote like toys and memorabilia and that sort of stuff, but it just seems like what were they expecting to come out of this, especially if they made like a crappier version of it, because I think they knew that Lucas kind of, not cheated but he just knew how to work with like a smaller budget and work around technical things that like they couldn't really afford and made something that had like a an 11 million dollar budget look like it was way more than that and i think where the fault comes in is not shooting on location I mean, because whenever you're shooting on Tatooine and, like, the moisture farms and, like, the huts and all that sort of stuff, it's very minimalist. Like, there are certain sets that are, like, much more detailed, but there's a lot of, like, minimalism in a lot of the sets in there. And working with a TV studio where you're making an hour and a half thing where everything is just sets, I mean, even though it's just a one set, you know, they could have put a lot more effort into making... It not have shag carpet and not so 70s and like just kind of putting more effort into stuff that looks like it's actually like you said built from the world i don't know this series is a lot of like what should they have done differently i think the answer to that question for this is don't do it because tv is limited budget we didn't have the Mandalorian's delorean is the first time that there's been a live action big budget big effort central like Star Wars, you know, world cares about making it. It took a long time for that to happen. Like, there was no way that there's a good version of this that they could have made, no matter how much money they threw at it. So I feel like just the decision to do a variety show was the mistake. And once you do that, you're we're all just sort of along for the ride on this this joke of a of a thing. And there's so many things that even I mean, we're a movie podcast, so we're you know if we're talking about it as a movie. It's not a movie, but even from a TV, if we were to do like okay it's a tv show it's still Mm -hmm. weird like the variety show framing is so strange a i think because so much of the comedy is relying on harvey corman doing different characters and so instead of you talk about like they get comedians and it's like do they get comedians they get like 
two, and they just have Harvey Corman do a bunch of different mm-hmm. characters, and that's sort of they lean on him, and it's some of it's funny and some of it's really really stupid, but like, it's such a strange thing. I don't know very much about variety shows, but I feel like it's a failure as a variety show Completely. too. Completely, yeah. It's I mean it's weird to me because it doesn't seem like that's the sort of thing that this audience is wanting at all because they're they're pitching this to like young kids and. I don't think kids are really like part of like the fun for people watching variety shows is like, oh, there's that celebrity. Oh, there's that celebrity. And like none of these kids are going to know who Diane Carroll is. None of these kids are going to know who Art Carney is. Like that's not what's going to draw them into it. And all the people who are fans of those comedians and singers and actresses are like, why why would I want to watch something like that? Like it still just feels like two very niche things that should not be together and that do not work together at all. Like I don't know what they were thinking with it. I guess getting Jefferson's Starship is a little clever. Yeah. Not really though. Right. I mean, after being this, I feel like they were going to change their name back to Jefferson mm-hmm. Airplane just cuz yeah. of the shame. Yeah, but then they just went to Starship it, instead. <laughs> Because even I think it was their lead singers that like it was so weird on set. Like he was like, "This is the vibe was just so contradictory for people that had seen Star Wars. Like Star Wars combined with this wood paneled cabin mm-hmm. tree. You know, it's just weird. It is weird seeing the reused costumes and that production value being there, but then just like a lot of the set and extra stuff isn't." That that to me is just so strange because, I mean, we're, nowadays we're used to like every TV show and everything just lampooning Star Wars. And it's always like off aliens where it's like, yeah, you know, that's, you know, made for a quick budget sort of thing. It doesn't really have the craftsmanship of Star Wars. But like actually having all of like the original Cantina aliens being in there is just like so mind boggling to me, but also just shows like how much artistry you need to shoot a scene like that. Like when you can't shoot it like a TV set where it's just completely blown out and all just front lights because not only does it not look great, but also you can see a lot more of like the faults in the costuming and some of the wires and like just you realize how much you need a hand who understands the limitations of all of these outfits and the reason why a lot of these characters are only in the frame for like two seconds in the movie. This is an interesting question um, for our Star Wars citizen, or, or, or galaxy far, far away person that we've transported from that that universe. How much does Galaxy's Edge have like everyday life portrayed, and how like is there limits of like? Do you think that they pulled back from like being too normal Earth? I feel like that's a big part of Star Wars is not going full Earth. But do, is there anything like that? Like, are there any houses or anything like that in the in the park? Everyday everyday life. Yeah. So our everyday life, they want all of us to have an everyday life because we are citizens of this planet. But we actually come to Black Spire Outpost, which is where it's all set. That's where um, Galaxy's Edge is, and that's where we do our trading and our our, our deals. So like, when I'm working at the milk stand, I'm working for a guy named Bubba Wamba. And he owns the milk stand. He he came from Tatooine with some banthas, so we sell blue milk, and he has his farm up in Surabot. But we don't go to Surabot. That's a place that some of us are from, but we don't go there. And then I live in Pika. We don't go there, and we don't go to Galma, where some other people are from. So we all just come here. It's 
it's the part of Star Wars people really want to see. They don't want to see me sitting around yeah. at home, you know, <laughs> decorating fish ornaments because Pika is a river pl- area, and so we all fish, and so yeah, we celebrate Life Day by decorating fish ornaments. Nobody really wants to see me do that, but if they want to hear me talk about it, they can. Um, <laughs> but then we have the cantina, so like when you go into the cantina, it's lively. It's we got a mm-hmm. a DJ playing music all the time, and so. We take all the good moments from it, kind of, and then set it in its own planet so people can come and actually experience like they are now on a distant planet. They are in a galaxy far, far away, and they can be a part of the magic. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like this was also the sort of thing when whenever Lucas watched this, he was just like, okay, we can never do anything normal in Star Wars. Like It all has to be just like very bombastic, very big scale sort yeah. of stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons why it works is because it isn't like a normal everyday life like you 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 kind of get that with luke at the beginning but even still it's like whoa alien planet moisture farming what the heck is that you know droids banthas all of that sort of stuff it's not like normal and this is like the most normal you ever see star wars where it's literally people lounging in a house watching tv and that's what all of it is and that's why you don't do it well I think that is something very unique about Star Wars is that you are ground level. You are seeing people's lives. But I think that the the household is a place you can't go to. And the the, the location find of Tunisia, of of Tatooine, of the of the the Skywalker ranch, you know, uh having that was a stroke of genius because you got to see normal life, they're farmers they have in a fairly li- a large area, right? They have they're sprawling, but they're poor, so you kind of get a sense of how vast the empire is or the the galaxy is. And then you have the blue milk, all this stuff was was brilliant because you see that you that's the only time I feel like you see the household, but it's not it doesn't feel earthly at all. It feels very otherworldly. And then people are constantly talking about going to you know places and doing stuff like you said like you're talking about home you're talking about your life that makes it feel like a lived in universe but you can never go to a household certainly not a household where people are doing 20th century things like watching tv like that because that stuff gets dated you know uh the talking about data tapes in the background is sort of quaint and and fun but still timeless. As soon as you like show somebody putting a cassette into a player, it like collapses. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, right. yeah, this is not, this is earth. You know, they sort of dodged that bullet and they've avoided it since. Uh, but this was sort of showing that you can't, you can't show lounging mm-hmm. around in, in a star, in a sci-fi universe. It's, it's, it's not adventure. It's not awesome. Somebody talking about, I'm going to go home and do something is great. Cause that feels human. But like when you're sitting down binge watching Cirque du Soleil, I guess. I don't know. Star Wars Cirque du Soleil. It's just weird. Like that's the weird part is (laughs) it's like they think, okay, we'll have the setting is super normal, weird costumes, but they're just sitting around watching stuff and then we'll make what they're watching super weird and that will feel Mm -hmm. Star Warsy, and it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I think it's also whenever people were watching Star Wars and they're like, oh, what do like people do on Tatooine like what do kids do on Tatooine and then in episode one it's like oh kids build hover pods and race in a crazy dangerous race where people blow up and die and if you don't race you just watch people die (laughs) it's not normal you know they're not just sitting around on Tatooine watching movies all day and there's like there's no aside from the holiday special there's not really 
any sort of like virtual entertainment like that again like where people are just like watching what seems like a tv show like there's nothing on broadcasting that sort of thing there's like in the extended universe in some of the books you see people do like hollow recorders of things and of course like in revenge of the sith there's like the opera that they go to but even still there's something like grandiose about that where it doesn't like palpatine doesn't just grab anakin and he's like ah come over to my pad and we'll watch a movie tonight (laughs) hey have you heard about darth plagueis you know like plagueis and chill yeah because it's supposed to be like i mean uh, there's a whole other conversation about like you know the prequels are not the wild west mm-hmm. anymore you're seeing the height of civilization mm-hmm. and and whether that you know i think that's always a debate is like does that work or does that feel star wars but like it's still weird right and it's still it feels like something above us you want to be above or below like the the target market suburban family you want to feel like way wealthier or way poorer and i feel like that feels otherworldly mm-hmm. but you know a lot of stuff now they've really you know Mandalorian and stuff since they've really been leaning into the Wild West stuff and I think that works really well sometimes there's a little couple moments here or there where it feels a little bit too on point macarons that still works it still works because it's supposed to be a poor outer rim like that's why everything's in the outer rim because that is Star Wars and uh, to show like what's supposed to be an occupied planet in a treehouse but then it like their life is pretty normal is just so strange it just it's it's i don't know if variety shows normally focus on the home but this this household idea is clearly central because they 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 keep adding in lines about like darth vader is like i want you to search every household in the galaxy which is such an absurd line (laughs) but like they clearly focus on that and it was such a mistake like chris you were saying just like how it, uh, Luke and the droids and all that sort of stuff were like appearing in other like TV variety shows at the time before this. Like the the two most notable ones that are mentioned are they're on the Donnie and Marie Osmond show, which is also like a variety show. And I, I watched it and it's really bad where they're both dressed up as Luke and Leia, which I guess is a good prediction that their brother and sister, they were the first ones to get it. But even in that, like it's weird where people are referencing Star Wars, but they don't really know about Star Wars as much because, like, they call her Princess Leah in that. And, like, those other, like, weird things in, like, Han. And just, like, the mispronunciations is just so Which is funny because they're in the movies. Those mispronunciations are actually in the movies, but then we decided to just change it all. With only one film out, there was not a lot for people to pull on of what is Star Wars. So it's a bunch of people running around trying to figure out what Star Wars is because they know it's a big thing, but they still don't know it. And like even today, people have been running around trying to figure out what is Star Wars. And that's why you kind of see these sequels. Some people say they're not great, you know, because did we lose what is Star Wars in that? And then people are like, well, the Mandalorian somehow has what is Star Wars. So this whole idea of what is Star Wars has always been perplexing to producers (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i think that was what was one of the big letdowns for this like i can't imagine kids who were sitting in front of their tv set who were expecting like to see the next star wars on tv and then seeing this and it just being like the biggest letdown in the world because they didn't advertise that it wasn't going to be the next star wars movie everyone was like this is the next glimpse of star wars that we get and it was a stupid variety show where you don't learn anything or see anything new 
Yeah, I mean, now we all obsess over canon and, like, all these little details, but back then it was all feel. It felt like something new, and then to see that turn this on and be like, oh, it's lame, <laughs> like, would would have been really disappointed. Now, that's the weird thing about variety shows is it seems like the variety show is maybe one of the pieces of, of pop culture farthest away from the kind of canon-obsessed way that we consume pop culture. Like, it is... It doesn't matter. Like, oh, have the C three PO walk on set it, it on this other shows. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's just random stuff being put on screen. It's not a cinematic. It's universe. like a way to stay relevant. It's the opposite of that. And so, yeah. And so, it's super weird seeing Star Wars in that. Um, and and they the crib other stuff. I mean, I don't know. There's some, the Tree of Life thing at the end. That is feels weird. very Star Trek. That is really. It's weird. weird it feels very Star that. Trek. There's a f- weird framing device of the cartoon where some unnamed captain is has a star date. You know, he's doing the the <laughs> uh, his star log just like Star yeah. Trek, and and he uses a weird year number that is never referenced again. I think I don't know. I actually, don't know. Yeah, he does. He doesn't use uh, BBY or anything like that because it well, hasn't is, been invented. Is battle? Yet. Yeah, is battle of? Ye- before Battle of Yavin or whatever, is that used in-universe or is that just how people reference outside? I don't think they ever reference it in the movies, but it's that's how they reference like everything in the books and yeah. comics. Chris, if somebody asks you what year it is, how do you answer that question? Um, <laughs> I actually, I, I, I don't know, unfortunately. But I do know that there is a year that we have the year since the founding of Black Spire Outpost, so I could give that number if I knew it, but I don't know everything. Um, and then we also have the after the Battle of Yavin. So. Okay. okay, so you do, do you, use that. Do you guys... Universe. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we could. If, if, if somebody was really being particular, those two numbers do exist in canon for my planet. I just don't know them because nobody ever asks. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure, but they but they exist. Okay, yeah, they do exist. Yeah, so they it was like three, it's like three hundred. They just threw a number out there, which is it's like to, that's the type of thing you would add to a variety show, right? Like to to this segment because it feels sci-fi. But now it's like mm-hmm. you can't do that. That you have to yeah. consult with the the overlords that know everything and go on the wiki page and make sure it's accurate. You know, and mm-hmm. and it's so opposite of how we do Star Wars now. It's just really strange. So do you guys then, like, how, how are you supposed to react? Like, is there, I mean, I know you said you can't give, like, a year, but is there a place in, like, canon that you guys are at? Like, if someone comes in and said, oh, do you hear about, like, Kylo Ren and Snoke? And, like, that sort of thing, like, how are you supposed to react to that? Yeah, so we're, after the events of... um well, I'm blanking on the movies right now, but the one after Force Awakens, what's that one? Uh, Last uh, Jedi. Last Jedi. We're after the events of Last Jedi, but before the, oh, okay. um, the final movie. And so with that canon taking place there, we technically live the same day over and over again um, on our planet. So, oh, so it's if a you Groundhog ever Day visit, yeah, yeah, it's a Groundhog Day thing. So if you ever come visit, you're visiting on the same day every other traveler has visited on. Um, and so the resistance has only been on our planet for four weeks, and then the first order has only been on the planet for two weeks. So mm-hmm. we don't know a lot about what's happening in the galaxy. We're in um, we're in the outer rim, very close to wild space. So we don't get the news um, about everything that's been happening. We don't really know 
about the struggle between the Empire and the Republic. And so in that way, it allows for all of the people who don't know Star Wars to just be like, well, I don't know, that sounds like a crazy thing happening out in the galaxy, but here on this planet, we farm stuff mm. <laughs> so they, they have an easy they have an easy answer to be like i don't really know who supreme leader snoke was but he's dead and right. now we have supreme leader kylo ren i know him because mm. he's on our planet so <laughs> interesting that's, yeah that's how we do so like if somebody asked me about luke skywalker or obi-wan kenobi or something i would possibly be like well i don't really know too much about the legends or anything but mm if you want to tell me about it and then maybe if somebody asked me about the force my character i don't believe in the force because i like to be like han so nice. be like ah that sounds like hocus pocus to me <laughs> that's awesome i i think it's so interesting just like how disney has been taking the whole canon here afterwards because i think there's this big fear when they uh when they took lucasfilm of just being like oh my gosh like how do we stay true to all these things because there's like a lot of contradicting canon with the eu and i think there's just a big fear over that and that's why they like wiped out all of it but now they're also getting to the point where they've just come up with so much stuff where it's going to be really hard to keep things like in place like there's already some contradicting things and just like with the books and like the comics and all that sort of stuff where i it feels like it's starting to get to this out of hand point where before they really wanted this fine-tuned control over like this is what's going to happen so that way people can't pick apart the movies and be like oh no 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 no, you can't do this because in this book they said this thing about this person and are you know rewriting all that sort of stuff but then it's also the thing of like oh well this makes us a lot of money like every book that we put out or every comic or video game or anything like that and so it's kind of getting to that point in canon again where it's just like getting so widespread where it's hard to just keep track of everything. And it almost feels like they're just kind of about to like let loose on a lot of stuff. You're just talking about canon stuff. It was funny because back when they made that decision, I remember, you know, we were in college and, and Connor and I's good friend, Connor Widener was a big, big star Wars fan. And we were sort of different types of star Wars <laughs> fans. I was a fans of the movies it, and then everything else was fun, but like I wasn't obsessed with all the details and I was glad that they were cutting it. At the time, I thought it was so that they could kind of just start fresh, which was true. But they ended up like, yeah, like you said, they just did their own version of it. And they've already almost filled the, the timeline. It's mm -hmm. interesting how it feels like the sequel, the Disney has sort of found their best ground between three and four and after six that's sort of where they're really doing a lot of good stuff and and they kind of they've given space for you know the tv shows to to work in that area whereas the sequel stuff with the aftermath and all that stuff um i guess aftermath is after six as well but like the sequel trilogy stuff seems to be more wild to me and they, they're just doing so many comic books but yeah it's gotten back to where it was before just they had control over it i guess mm -hmm. let's dig into the cartoon because before this, I hadn't seen all of the holiday special and I hadn't seen the cartoon, but I'd always heard like people be like, oh, the cartoon is like really good. I wasn't super impressed with it. I thought the animation was pretty bad on it and it wasn't like super engaging. I definitely felt like, okay, if I was a kid and I saw this, I would think it's pretty cool, but I don't think it's very good. Like 
the character design for Luke and Han and Chewie and Leia are really bad. Han's design is hilarious. Just the closest. He looks like Brock from Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) He looks so weird. I don't know. I love the Boba Fett animation is because, well, just because there's a certain that era. There's a certain style of like animation that you would not get away with now you know sort of freewheeling i I feel like it's sort of european looking way Mm. of drawing and and you can go crazy with that stuff that now i mean now they have to do the woodcut rebels oh clone uh, wars stuff clone wars style of 3d animation and it's all you know his own style but it's all sort of you know Machined and not, and so it's kind of fun seeing Star Wars do that because even the the or the Ewok stuff cartoons later are fun, but they nothing's as buck wild as this. So I did enjoy it, and man, that city, that city they went to looked like so strange. It this is the closest in canon that Star Wars has gotten to an old sci-fi pulp novel mm-hmm. cover which i love you know i love that i'm obsessed with the foundation yeah. trilogy i've never read them there's a specific set of drawings on the covers that i just think are amazing and so i did love this and i would love to see this stuff in in one of the shows done mm-hmm. done justice uh but yeah it, it the jawline man on han is just it very is really weird and him like laughing at the end and the way his face like contorts just like ah what's happening <laughs> yeah and the storyline was a little bit weird about yeah, the sleeping like... thing and that how they fell asleep like that was a little bit strange that wasn't necessarily fully star wars in my feeling of it mm-hmm. but but boba fett was also super cool and they ended up taking him and doing great things but mm-hmm. it's a really great hook because it's like, holy crap! Why are they flying past the the ship? Why are they shooting at us? Like something weird's going mm. on. And then when you find out it's a virus, it's like that's really weird. And mm. then at the end, it's like you know all this somewhat level of intrigue. The most in the whole special, I think, is like, oh my gosh, that you know, Hans, who's this dangerous character that's working with Darth Vader? And then mm-hmm. it sort of just is weird how it ends because they like go in you think they're gonna like have to pull them aside but like c-3po in front of everyone's like yeah he's bad he's He's not a friend uh, bye he's not a friend and then and then he just like slowly backs out of the room and and flies away it's like you're gonna give up your like anything now any tv show Mm -hmm. now there would be like someone would get taken hostage or something he just leaves and it's like that's it like he's giving up i guess you know, it's a great intro to his character because it makes him feel dangerous, but it's still a weird, like, we ran out of budget, now he has to fly away. You know, it just ends abruptly. Yeah, it is very strange in that. And it, to me, walks like this fine line. It it reminds me, and especially Nelvana's, the animation studio that did it, their early works, remind me a lot of, like, Ralph Bakshi's animation very very much so especially the the short that they did a cosmic christmas that is what got like david aconda the first director on the holiday special got his attention towards them and that's when he recommended them to george and they're like oh yeah this is really good and like i i didn't watch all of it but i watched quite a bit of it and i was like oh this is very bakshi-esque and that's like how this feels as well like it feels like it's cut out of wizards it's 
just very strange, like semi Star Wars, but also like just far out enough where you're like, uh, it kind of like, and this is like how a lot of the EU feels to me, like the old EU, where it's, it kind of leans more into the fantasy side of things where there are a lot more like kind mm-hmm. of magic stuff that happens and wizardry and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, in, in my mind when I was a kid, I just had these two very different images of Star Wars. I had like the movies and then the EU where I read it and it felt much more like 80s kind of like grungy sort of like weird like not not the crispness that the Star Wars movies had but just kind of like this weird off Star Wars. Yeah, there was this book series that was like I think it was supposed to be a dark Star Wars version of like Goosebumps where they would go on like there was a planet and the whole planet was a creature and it would eat people and it was like really weird and zany and and pretty dark sometimes and I love that stuff. That's part of why when they got rid of the canon I didn't care because it was all like that's all weird stuff that's separate anyway. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with Star Wars. Yeah, there's definitely there's that stuff works better in the cartoons and in books, but it does not work on screen when you like are like we're going to go do wizards. Like if you were to portray I'm not sure you could do what's the the witch's planet? Dathomir. Dathomir. I don't think you could do Dathomir live action. They probably will at some point, but it would just feel weird. Even though it's very established in all the side stuff, live action Star Wars is the cantina and desert planets and, you know, it it's a very distinct feel that that they have to preserve, but all the side stuff, it's fun to do the weird stuff, but a virus that puts you to sleep and then you have to hang upside down that only affects humans. Feels, <laughs> that only affects humans and is apparently filtered out by Boba Fett's helmet. Yeah, uh, that was weird. I didn't... Because well, it's like kind of a virus, it's but so it's also weird. the talisman it's like, that does it. It's a talisman, which makes no sense yeah. of like, how is it infecting people? Is it <laughs> is it releasing well, something they're smelling? It, <laughs> into did, what does he do with the talisman? He throws it he out? He throws it into... He incinerates yeah, it? Like, yeah. gets, he destroys it. <sighs> The more you think about it, the more it's like, this is stupid and it doesn't make any sense. But it, it feels fun, at least. And it's like an oasis in the desert of wood paneling, you know, basically. Like, it's a desert in an oasis of mundane nothingness that the rest of the show is. Let's think. I'm just trying to think of all the stuff. Art Carney's character is weird and bad, yeah. I think. He tries his hardest to make it work, but he's just... There's moments where this this feels live, it feels like a it was filmed live because there's moments where he like is having to fill space with his antics and it's so awkward you know where he's just when Eric Art Carney's in his shop and he's like frantically trying to like he's nervous because the guy's there and so he's trying to sell him <laughs> a groomer it's just I feel like this is hours of boringness interspersed by little moments of the dankest hilarious nonsense that would be put in like a YouTube poop compilation like old style YouTube garbage like Harvey Corman's character the robot is like falling down and dying it's so hilarious I think it's hilarious but it's so stupid it's so like hilarious accidentally like it's so bad there's a part where the 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 weird um imperial guy that I swear is 80 yard because it doesn't sound like his voice is like it's a groomer that made me laugh so hard because it sounds like it's not a tumor from kindergarten cop or whatever that's not kindergarten cop isn't that oh what is that one the one where he gets pregnant what is the name of that i don't know 
I'm just, tra- just we're trying to go through everything we didn't cover yet. So like we've right. covered the boring household. Okay, they bring in an erotic cassette tape. Yeah, yeah. which is, itchy is maybe gross. the weirdest thing. Itchy is really gross. What is that <laughs> <laughs> thing that he does? <laughs> so I'm like, why did we want to watch this? And why do kids want to watch that? <laughs> that quick cut of him doing that is the funniest thing in the entire thing. It is. <laughs> I had to pause it and just die. What is that sound? So what is funny. he doing? There's, like I said, there's moments where it seems like sort of consistent with how we do humor now, like the quick cut to something silly and then cutting back. That is very much like an internet age way of editing, like Tim and Eric. And it's like they did this for real, and it's not supposed to be a joke. Mm-hmm. What is going on? And and uh, so yeah, the the erotic yeah, cassette know. tape. Oh, the excruciating. Well, so there's there's a thing about that is oh, no. I've heard two different stories about that because I've heard an interview with Steve Binder who was the the second director after David Akamba quit after filming a couple scenes they hired this guy Steve Binder who had shot like a bunch of like music shows like Elvis and all that sort of stuff. So he comes in and does it and he has a much like brighter opinion of it like he likes the holiday special and is like proud of it and all of that sort of stuff. It's, yeah, it's strange. And he's like, everyone had a great time while they were on it, which I don't believe. But they were like, okay, so what's up with the whole holotape thing? Like, is, because I feel very uncomfortable with that. And he's like, oh, you know, we didn't think that that was that bad. Like, we just recorded it and did it. And I was like, okay. But then I've also heard from one of the other producers who was like more involved in the story process. They're like, yeah, we were just trying to see like how much we could get away with like just basically shooting softcore porn on here. Well, the, like the script, or I, I don't know if this is true, but like I felt like I looked it up and the script actually had he's giving Itchy something that's basically like porn. Because that's what he implies. Yeah, and that's he's that's like, why his, he delivers it. Yeah, he, his delivery. It's supposed to be that he delivers it like he's giving him something erotic, something X-rated. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Also, why wow. is that in the wow. middle of the living room? Yeah, she's. <laughs> Getting excited, wow. literally, that's what she says, in the living room. Lumpy's there. And Lumpy's like right next to him. Kitchen. It's weird. <laughs> it's not okay. This the song isn't like that bad though. I thought the song and like her performance is pretty I feel good. Like I mean, it's not Star songs, Wars, but it's yeah. definitely the best song in the whole thing. All this the songs were good. All, all all of the music, and then I'd honestly say the the stand up, like the the comedy bits, are pretty decent. I mean, the four armed chef is sort of, I think, a catastrophic failure, but a really f- funny concept that they just it doesn't work. Like the the moments where the extra arms come out is supposed to be funny, and it just doesn't work. But you always know what they're trying to do with the segments. It's just the the way that they're... It feels like a bad Robin Williams character. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It could be funny if it wasn't in the context of Star mm-hmm. Wars. If, if it was somebody like on YouTube posting it, making fun of Star Wars in a way, being like, oh, what if they had a cooking show in Star Wars? But it's like, why did we try and make a cooking show in Star Wars? Because it didn't work. I will say there's a lot of music in here, but there's none of the official genre of Star Wars Wait, music. they're not... They are. They are playing in the cantina. Oh, that's true. Which we're not going to say what it is. You can look it up. Yeah. Look up Star Wars official uh, uh, music genre. Yeah, what what 
what type of music are they playing in the cantina? Mm-hmm. That's that's what you got to look up. Yeah. But uh, the instruction manual is so boring. I d- cannot believe that there's a 10-minute instruction manual on how to mm-hmm. build a MIDI keyboard or whatever in Star Wars. That's so strange. Cooking doesn't work. Jefferson Starship is fine, but they just make the microphone a lightsaber, I guess, to make it Star Wars. Kind of, but it's also definitely just like PVC pipe. Yeah. I can't think of a single segue that makes sense to the new segment. No. Because the cartoon, why is he watching a cartoon of the Rebellion, like we said? Him watching that video in the middle of the living room is weird. I guess Lumpy or whatever watching the Cirque du Soleil at the beginning sort of makes sense, but the rest of them are just bizarre. Well, it makes sense until the hologram jumps from the hologram table to next to the hologram table. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I guess maybe we didn't know how the holograms work, but I believe they're supposed to be on the table because the table is kind of what's Mm -hmm. emitting the holograms. But They're supposed to be pretty low tech, even though it's high tech. It's supposed to feel like pretty... Mm -hmm old yeah uh so yeah that also, doesn't make sense why is the tatooine thing an imperial bride? exactly yeah, that's the other thing that, doesn't that make does any not sense. make any sense and then there's a broadcast within the broadcast <laughs> within the broadcast yeah they're like, <laughs> we now have to go perfume. home and it's Whoa, like this is getting too deep yeah and what do you what did the empire think while they're looking at the imperial broadcast of tatooine and they're like okay none of these people are going home well doesn't bother us yeah we can just arrest all of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like it's supposed to be live, right? It's supposed to be a live broadcast with a bunch of cameras. Just happens to be the same cantina from the movie, right? And then they're like, "Let's as broadcast as propaganda, let's show you this dingy bar while we shut the planet down." I guess it, it makes no, yeah, it makes no sense. And then each segment has like a little like. Now there's a broadcast so that you can feel better about your lives. That It's just like the thinnest justification yeah. possible. And this is a very small thing, but it's very weird to me. They've just decided that all imperial propaganda starts with a spiral cut. Yeah, that's weird. This is why it's so important to get like good actors to even play like just the minor roles of like imperial officers because like... Even though the Imperial officers in the, sh- the movies aren't, like, the greatest actors, it's just, like, the whole, like, snapping and, like, the guy's delivery is just, like, so bad. It's just a horrible performance. He seems to th- think he's supposed to be German at some times. Like, there's some moments where he does a little bit of a Nazi accent because of the yeah. uniform, but it's not consistent. Yeah, he's really bad. Um, the guy with the mustache is really bad. I'm not even sure it's his performance. I think he's 80 yard in after the mm-hmm. fact. They're all bad performances, really. Uh, Han keeps saying, like, he feels like he's required to keep saying Life Day. Like, we are going to go to Life Day. We're I know. Get you back for Life Day, pal. Han was funny in this. He was so bored. Yeah. You could tell Harrison Ford's like, why <laughs> the hell? He's still charming, though. No one's given it their all. Luke looks very weird oh, for some reason. Oh, because they kicked makeup on him. Yeah. He, he, he looks, looks so strange. Like, he's like a Ken doll. Yeah. He looks like a Ken doll, yeah. He looks like somebody's somebody got a hold of him and did way too much makeup. Like somebody's daughter that's learning to put makeup on. So was that after his accident? Do you know, Connor? 
No, I think that was before. So, okay, because I was wondering, I was like, does he have this makeup on? Because he's trying to hide the scars that they end up just, like, adding into Empire, but nope. I don't think so. I think it's beforehand. Gotcha. Because he's still very, like, baby-faced in it. Yeah. And his hair color is all weird. Like, it just... The weird, it like, seems like he's wearing all that. What do you guys think about yeah. when they're introducing all the characters at the beginning, and they're saying who plays each character, and then... They get to R two D two and R two D two plays himself. Well, yeah, because they didn't they didn't have Kenny Baker inside of him. They literally just had like someone controlling him with like a, a little panel. Yeah, and that weird. person doesn't get credit for playing him. He's just nope. R two D two plays R two D two. That's the first of like sign of oh this this is gonna be weird, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, but it's uh, also the first time that they credit James Earl Jones as playing Darth Vader, though. Yes, which is weird that people i guess knew when the movie came out that it was him mm-hmm. um, but he said he didn't want to take credit for it because he felt like he didn't deserve it because he did the voice and david prowse yeah because he, he didn't mm-hmm. leia's eyeliner her makeup is really bad too where it, you just don't really get what they're trying to do with it where it, like, it's the same thing with luke where they just cake so much makeup on her rick oh she just like they all look like they're in the uncanny valley they're just so off there's a lot of awkward video calling stuff mm-hmm. like first of all this show this the the premise of this is that video calling is ubiquitous in the future which great job i guess uh but yeah uh, but 2001 already did that in 68 so nothing you know new. yeah but like there's a lot of like talking about like can you please uh i i don't know how to say this but can you uh can you get Han on the phone like really weirdly like the phrasing of everything is strange and they have to go through the translator and i'm i just think it's her being weird i don't think they're trying to play it up for laughs or anything but yeah they're really obsessed with this idea that you can easily call someone anywhere which mm-hmm. is not super the way it is in star wars i feel like well then they after this then they have holograms so that you can use your communicator yeah. to just do a hologram yeah but there's like video sense. stuff in A New Hope, though, like in The Empire. Yeah, but there's a little bit of the Star Trek, like I can call anyone at any time mm-hmm. for any reason, very convenient. Like that's how we talk. Whereas right, in there's Star no Wars, dialing, like it's just immediate. You're there. Yeah, if Star Wars is a Western, then the video calls and the holograms are sort of like the telegram you get. You you get the communication, and. I guess I, I remember in Rogue One when they started calling in Lightspeed, it was a little weird, but they had never done that before, where you do have live talking, but it's sort of a rarity, and and so because it's supposed to be a disconnected universe, and and it's just weird that they're like calling. It's like, where's Han? Where's Han? Oh, I guess we can't call Han, but we can call everyone else on different planets, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the first time I watched it, I just assumed they're all in Kashyyyk for some reason, but I guess they're not. Right. Well, I don't know where they are. That's the weird thing. It's like, where is Leia and where is Luke? I think Luke is on the base in Yavin. Yeah, it seems like, and they both seem like they said, oh, yeah, Han left us a while ago, Mm -hmm. so he should be there by now. Yeah. This special has a problem with object permanence at the end. Yes. It really just falls apart. We also haven't brought up uh, Leia's song yet, which was actually in her contract. Yeah. Like, so Han, well, this is the funny thing. So when Han ch- drops Chewbacca off, he's like, they're like, hey, you want to stay with us for Life Day? And he's like, no, 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 this is your thing. This is the Wookiees. You'll be with your family. I'm going. And then he leaves. And then all of a sudden they go to their orb world. And then he shows up with Luke and Leia and the droids. And it's like, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're sorry to barge in on your Wookiee holiday, but we're here. And it's like, Han, you literally just said you weren't going to be here. The weird universe place 
gives them robes mm-hmm. and transports them together. And but for some reason, it's only the Wookiees that have the robes. It's not the oh like, yeah. any of the humans. How do the humans get to... Exactly. Like, so why did Chewbacca even have to go home to be with his family when he was going to be teleported just... to this place? Like, what's the whole deal? Haven't... He should have just had the orb on the ship, and then he could have grabbed it and been like, whoop, okay, hey, family, I'm here. My my favorite um, in-audience quote from watching this, I watched it with my family, but whenever that part came up, my dad was just like, oh, so I guess they're in Wookiee heaven. And then my brother is just like, I really wish they were in Wookiee hell. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, um I guess it's just they're all force projecting there, right? And this is canon, so it's actually very easy to do that over long distances. Luke is just really died. bad at it. <laughs> yeah. Luke is just really bad at it and di- he just died on accident. That was just an- <laughs> He's too old to do it, but you know, yeah. the Wookiee yes. itchy itchy's but not too how old. Can, how can, can itchy do it? Do it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Itchy watched something that got him excited right before he did it, yes. so he could make it through. Give him some energy. If you get excited in it gets a certain you more way, yeah. exactly. It gets That's you how more it works. All the all the Wookies are actually they could be Jedi's. They're just not. They choose not to be. This is canon now. This is old canon. This is the Legends canon. The Legends now. canon. It doesn't. There's no logic in this whatsoever. It, like we said, it's just that weird phase where even the people who are making Star Wars are trying to figure out what Star Wars is, and that's why so much of this is just weird because they don't have like the tent poles that we have of like the visual looks, like basically defining, trying to define the rest of the world based on like two or three planets that were shown in one movie is pretty hard to do, and so we'll give them like credit to that, but also they could have really brought in george lucas more on all of it like it i mean i know he was busy but they at least could have brought in like maybe some of the other people i know he overlooked some of the cartoon stuff and some of the intro stuff and like the crazy thing is he took like some of his original story elements for a new hope that didn't actually pan out and like put him in this because he's crazy obsessed with the wookies like he loves them he gave them like the wookie bible which was like the 60 to 70 page booklet while they were making this that was all about wookie culture and all about like how they acted what they ate what they you know all that sort of stuff but originally he wanted a new hope to be told like from an older wookie telling his son about it like it was going to start off on kashik in a household it was going to be like like a grandpa telling his grandson yeah, princess bride style. about the story of star wars yeah, very much so. That's just what we need is How I Met Your Mother, but with more hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what they should make next canon. They should just yeah. like have a Wookiee family sitcom show. Yeah. We'd love it. Like the dinosaurs? <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's just kind of what I'm picturing. And I think a lot of it gets overblown, too, where they're like, George Lucas went out and tried to destroy every copy, but that's like not really what happened. It Like, literally, people just forgot about it. Like, my mom was saying, like, I don't remember this at all, but I assume we watched it. Like, I can't imagine us missing this, but I do not remember this movie at all. It got, like, 10 million people watching it, but it, I was reading... It was pretty bad ratings. Like, they were disappointed with the ratings. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy yeah. to me that, like, they were a couple years away. Like, if this had been a couple years earlier, if Star Wars had been a couple years earlier, there would have been no VHSs, and there would be no copy of this. It would have been yes. gone. And so, like, he almost... We know George Lucas, he sort of changes his opinion of what he wanted from Star Wars a mm-hmm. lot 
to his own convenience sometimes. The quote he said is, if I had enough time and a sledgehammer, I would go smash every copy of it, right? And, I mean, yeah, he didn't do anything. It's just they never sold it again because it sucks. And a couple people have VHSs. Actually, what channel and location was this for you? What version did you find on the internet? Oh, I just watched it on YouTube. Yeah, I watched it on yeah, YouTube. But I have no idea what did version. It not, did it not have the... Oh, the, it was uh, like WPH or something, or WPF or something. Okay, interesting. It wasn't Ohio? Mine was Dayton, Ohio. No, maybe that was it. I can't there. remember. There was something flashing on the screen. I, I didn't pay attention That's to That's probably it. it. Lucas was even considering releasing it whenever they were re- releasing like the Blu-ray editions of Star Wars. It's like, oh, should we finally put this out? And like they didn't end up doing it, but... If you buy like the box set of the first six films, then one of the bonus things on there is like the cartoon is on it. Cartoon, yeah. Well, I also know that Carrie Fisher at one point later, when they were making more films, she negotiated it in her contract that George Lucas would give her a copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special. So Mm -hmm. she has, or her family has that. Somebody has it. Yeah. You guys, you guys are annihilating my trivia. I yes, no, because <laughs> Lucasfilm didn't even own it until like a f- significant time afterwards. Like CBS held the rights to it for a long time and just didn't do anything with it because it didn't. It, it had bad ratings for like what was expected, and so they're like, "Why would we run this again?" They should run it at like three in the morning and then get a ratings bump just to do it, mm-hmm. so they don't lose the rights. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the future plans for this are. Like, I don't think they're as much hiding it anymore. If you ask, like, a lot of the actors about it, they'll kind of freak out and be like, nope, I'm not supposed to talk about that because they're ashamed of it. Like, I think they're the ones who want to cover it up more than, like, George does. Because, I mean, George didn't really have much of a hand in this. And so I think it was probably, like, a defamation for him of just like, oh, this is my universe and this is how they're treating it that really sucks but he didn't create it so it's not really to his credit then i feel like we've the drama with them messing up the house is super boring it's super weird that that han has an easy time landing on the planet but then getting to their house is hard that's not how star wars usually works. Yeah. usually the, the planetary blockade is the, the problem and then moving around the planet is super easy. I don't know. We've, I think we've talked about every individual terrible segment. The weird thing at the end, how there's like a recap of A New Hope. So yeah. Like if yeah. people had weird. watched this and not seen A New Hope, they would have been like, oh, well, there's the whole movie. Like, it tells everything. And that's a confusing thing about Life Day. It's like, why are we having these visions of the first movie when we're supposed to be celebrating Life Day? Is Life Day really just a celebration of Star Wars? <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, so it's. I think it's supposed to be Chewbacca sort of remembering everything because there's that weird shot of him just looking at the oh, camera. Yeah. yeah, but did your guys' copy have one of the John Williams songs playing but, like, edited out? Or would, did you hear the music fully? It was It was being toned back for sure, the music. Yeah. Toned back, okay, yeah. But she was supposed to be singing to it, I believe, that her song was, like, written to kind of flow into that so it's supposed to be yeah, set weird. in the tune of the star wars theme talking about star wars that's the only thing i can think about, about in the star wars actually this this and that skit on snl sort of represent a a wonderful period that 
I love in Star Wars, which is when everyone loved Star Wars, but no one had any idea what it was, you yeah. know? Like, you just love Star Wars. Star Wars <laughs> is the thing that everyone's talking about. Star Wars. And it's yeah. like, some it's totally weird. Ships. It's totally weird to look at it because it's like, no one was making fun of it or like, you know, it wasn't a weird thing. It was everyone liked Star Wars. Everyone really liked Star Wars, but you just talked about Star Wars and it wasn't this whole universe yet and so yeah this does give me that vibe of like none of you know what this is going to become do you you just really liked the movie which is so innocent mm-hmm. and and fun but yeah yes this lounge singer it gives me lounge singer vibes it's so like memeified where like that's yeah. where the humor is from and so people like watch it and it's like oh there's that line oh that's really funny and that's kind of like the parody of it now where back then like a skit show could literally just have a room full of aliens and people are like oh that's a star wars reference and it's like so nondescript it's just like the most basic thing you could have like a spaceship flying in you're like oh that's a star wars reference and it doesn't have to be something very specified like the whole like hello there or like any obi-wan kenobi sort of stuff it was just like literally anything kind of sci-fi related was like a reference to star wars Talking about memes, that's actually the weirdest thing for me is that this hasn't become more of a meme. There are, you know, the whip, whip, stir, the weird way he talks on the 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 instructional video, the stuff with the the weird cassette tape. Yeah, yeah, that. Those are moments that like feel like they should be huge, high grade like memes, and because people just don't watch this, they're not really memes. But it's like. It feels like interspersed in there is these weird Tim and Eric type moments that should mm-hmm. be like memes, but it's just the prequels that I think kind of create the memes now in, in on the internet. Maybe the internet will discover it. and, and But it just seems like un, unmined potential for mocking, basically. Yeah. And no one, be, and I think it's because no one gets to the those parts of the video because it's so freaking long and so freaking boring. Yeah. Like you, you turn it off. I guess my, yeah. Do you guys think it's worth watching? Really? No, no. I've never watched it until now. And like, as a star Wars fan, <laughs> yeah. I'm still like, did that really add anything to my life? <laughs> Not necessarily. No. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I think people listening to this will make think, Oh man, this is so fun. I should go watch it. But like, it's I I don't yeah I don't think it's worth watching I I think it's a waste of time and someone's got to do like a fun edit of like the six parts that are hilarious and that's it the rest is just nothing mm-hmm. they really draw out every second because they had such a limited budget and they blew so much of it at the very beginning so there's just some scenes that run on for so long and you're like why are they doing this like whenever uh, he's setting up like the thing that Jefferson Starship is in. He takes so long to do it, and you're like, "What is happening?" Like, there's so much just of them walking around and nothing going on. It's like space; it's mostly empty. So true. Hey, maybe that's the the statement that they're trying to make throughout all of this. I didn't really realize that it was real for the longest time because I think I had heard people make jokes about it. Because my first reference to this of even knowing that it existed was Weird Al's white and nerdy music video. Mm-hmm. Because there's a shot in there where he like hands him like the Star Wars holiday special. And I thought that was like a joke. And then I think a couple years, I mean, it might have been whenever I was in like middle school or high school where people were like, oh, yeah, the Star Wars holiday special. And I was like, that's real? Like, I thought it was just like a joke in that. <laughs> a joke. Yeah, honestly, I was I was so scared of watching it for the longest time because I didn't want it to taint what I know mm. Star Wars to be. 
And I was like, if I watch this, I may never look at Star Wars the same way. <laughs> so yeah, it's. I feel like it's still obscure. It's still obscure yeah. today. Like like people maybe know it exists, but like it's like a desert that it's hard to get through because it's so boring mm-hmm. and it keeps it from being. You know, we've done a lot of bad, bad art on this show. You know, especially this series. But, like, mm-hmm. I think we're starting to get into some of these where it's bad, but not so bad that it's famous. And this is definitely that where, I mean, it is famous, but, like, it's not this beloved object of derision because the experience of watching it is so boring. Actually, I have an interesting mm-hmm. question for you guys. What do you think is the most Star Wars thing? So, like, the most that feels like Star Wars in this and the least Star Wars thing in this? Well, it's weird because. Now it, I mean, it's just like old Star Wars, you know, like it's just like this very niche thing of like just being right after episode four and not really containing the omnibus of what everything is now. So that's why it's hard to pick one thing, I think. I mean, maybe the stuff with Darth Vader, like on the ship, that feels like the most true to what Star Wars originally was. (laughs) Or my favorite line in it, uh, whenever... Han comes in and Lumpy gives him a hug and he picks him up and he hands him to Chewie and he's like, here's your daddy. <laughs> That's not <a> story. <laughs> uh, this, That's a tough question. I I mean, I think I would go towards the animated part of it mm-hmm. and probably just say like the first time they like bumped into and met Boba Fett and he was riding that thing and he whips it and he talks about no lower life form is worth starving over. Mm-hmm. That like that segment yeah. there, just that introduction and stuff, felt very Star Wars. It felt like something yeah. I hadn't necessarily seen, but I could ex- that could exist on a different planet somewhere in a galaxy far away. And then mm-hmm. the the family, the Wookiee family, being so human like, and then probably getting holding each other's hands at the dinner table, bowing their heads at whatever they're gonna pray to for a wiki and then praying eating like dinner like that was too that was too american household that i didn't get it in terms of star wars like the wikis in my head don't don't do that oh yeah Mm -hmm. what was weird about that moment is you know just christmas specials in general run the gamut between you know fully santa and mm-hmm. being very like vaguely secular or then like more peanuts where you're celebrating the the actual Christian holiday of Christmas. And so and and everyone kind of goes into any Christmas special knowing it's going to be sort of one or the other or one of those, you know, somewhere along that and you kind of know what you're getting into and people celebrate Christmas in different ways including what movies you watch mm-hmm. and what specials you watch. Right. And tonally this was so, it was so strange to have that like peanuts like let's pray together as a family moment at the very end when the rest of it had nothing to do with Christmas Mm -hmm. at all. And then at the very end, you're like, go home and pray with your family. And it was like, you haven't, I mean, that is not consistent. Pray about Star Wars. They're trying to have this poignant moment, I think at the end about family and it doesn't work. Um, For me, the most Star Wars is hard. That's the hard question. The, the, The most Star Wars is probably the moment when you see the city on that planet like it it looks like mm. some sort of giant insect hill it's very yeah. otherworldly that's 
not that type of Star Wars what it was back then, but now, especially with the Mandalorian, how they're really going in on going back to the old um, concept mm-hmm. art and and pulling everything out of that, and then that, yeah. the credits have the new concept art as well. Yeah, the um, Ralph McQuarrie based I think, ones. Yeah, yeah, which is great. I love that they do that. That mm-hmm. felt like Ralph. Yeah, it felt like his concept art. You know weird and otherworldly and now that they have the budget they can really lean into that in Star Wars even in the live action that felt the most Star Wars everything with Boba Fett the least Star Wars was that computer setup. anything with computers being set up was the most dated I mean the furniture we keep talking about the furniture I keep mentioning the, the furniture and the cupboards and everything but like honestly it sort of fades into the background and you can kind of just ignore it the computers though mm-hmm. are so front and center of like this is a sci-fi and so they have computers here's a giant laptop that takes like 50 seconds to set up and then it plays a video that whole thing is weird too he distracts the imperial guy by playing a music video but i guess that's what they do in star wars they watch music videos on laptops or mm-hmm. put together midi keyboards that the, all the tech stuff was by far the least takes you out Mm. of it completely see i think the least star wars thing to me was actually the song in the cantina because one of the things that oh yeah does really well is like setting up like oh you don't really want to mess with like a lot of these aliens like they're rough and tumble sorts of guys and and just like her kind of like walking around it's like come on everyone sing and dance with me and they all get up in line and there's one that just sounds like patrick star in there that's just like like that to me was just like there's no conga lines in Star Wars. Like what is happening? Yeah. You're well, you're a hundred percent right. Her bar I'm was changing really mine. Weird. If you're if you're a bartender, you know, a Star Wars bartender, I feel like you gotta be way rougher and tougher than that. She's like, Yeah everyone go and they're all like, No, we're staying and it's like, No, you're the one who you has shoot the drinks. Someone, then. <laughs> you're you're able to get everyone out of there. This is your bar and you're not gonna sell them drinks. They should at least like be afraid of you, but no they're all push. You're just a pushover, and then she's like, "Okay, fine, around on me." And I'm like, "Yeah, what's what? up with that? How do you how do you have the credits get- for that?" You're totally right. I'm changing mine. That is the least Star Wars thing by far. I totally forgot about it actually because it felt so off. And her love story that's- that that weird weird oh, guy. Oh with yeah, the head so and, weird. And then how he's still in there after they all leave, and he's offering her a flower, and it looks like she's gonna accept it finally. And I'm like. Why did we? Why? How? What was that? Yeah. <laughs> Why is this? Well, that's is that the cantina from Star Wars? I think it's supposed to be the cantina I from think Star Wars. So. so, yeah, you're taking this essential thing, the the it, in universe makes no sense, like we talked about with the video broadcast, and then yeah, you're taking this like grungy den of thieves, you know, that's supposed to be you know scum and villainy in mm-hmm. there, and then you're having this like heartwarming emotional climax for the whole thing about how we're all together on the holidays type of thing totally doesn't work is totally ridiculous you're totally taking the what's you know i guess they're supposed to be like oh we all love star wars we all love the holidays you know it'd be sad that people are leaving this beloved bar that we all want to go back to and it just it sucks Mm -hmm. it sucks so bad (laughs) do you think we're ready for the trivia that you guys clearly yes. know all of it already <laughs> oh okay. no i'm terrified i'm not gonna know any of it oh no yeah actually i you guys are gonna hate me because some of it's needlessly obscure but 
and it's no, not that's about fine. Star Wars. Oh, okay. dang it! Well, then I'm not going right. to know it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, CBS aired this prime time. What uh, two shows were preempted by this? Uh, that's Wonder Woman and the Hulk. All right, ding, 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 ding. Good, good job. Did you did did your guys's both have that note at the I, beginning? Mm-hmm. Saying, I remember the Hulk. It's like we're not watching the Hulk tonight or something. I think the Hulk was first, so it says uh, the Hulk has not been showing. But they they both yeah, Wonder Woman and the Hulk, which is so strange to think about now because obviously oh yeah, Disney owns the Hulk. But like to have it's even weird to think about like even before Disney owned uh, Marvel to have Marvel and DC on the same channel on the same night is that so is strange like mm-hmm. that's how people thought of superheroes back then it was just like all of the superheroes and you have all these separate shows but here's a bonus question what aired after they talk about it in the credits if you watch the credits oh the love boat nope no Any... um the Chris mary tyler Moore show flying high okay i wouldn't have guessed that i, 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 I don't know i don't even know what that is <laughs> about that but they mention it in the credits. The original director you talked about wanted a comedian that the uh, producers nixed from appearing. Who was it? It's a multi- multiple choice. Mm-hmm. Was it A, Richard Pryor, B, Robin Williams, C, George Carlin, D, Carol Burnett, or E, Rodney Dangerfield? <laughs> The director wanted him Can't to get show, no respect be one of them. in this cantina. I have no idea. Sorry, what, what? But I think it would be cool if it was Robin Williams because he would have been funny in this. Yeah, it's Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah, that director. You knew that Creed, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, he saw him in L.A. at a comedy club, and he wanted to bring him in. He thought it would be good for this. And then the producers like, "Who? We don't know who this guy is. We're not putting him on the show." <laughs> he would have been funny, which is amazing. Before to me. He, Mork and Mindy. Oh yeah. Yeah, it would have been he would have been perfect. He was perfect for this role. Yeah. And then the other one this is my my next question is it has been reported that Lucas only gave out one copy of the special to one of the cast members. Who was it? Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Yes, okay. And then what did she say she used it for? To clear out her house at parties. Yes. That's all awesome. she, she said she would Yeah, she would play it at the end of parties so people would leave. That's what she said she would do. It's her one more right. round song. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it that was. is her one more round. Closing time. Yeah. Uh, all right. So <laughs> you guys have annihilated my trivia. One of my questions was what what network did this air on? But that's easy. We all know it's CBS. So mm-hmm. one less question than we were going to do. But that's okay. Here's the challenge, <laughs> though. Okay. There are – I was able to find ten things – people places objects that are now canon in star wars okay that first appeared in that so not you know not obviously not things from the movie but things that have appeared for the first time in this special is and this, this including be, like eu like old no, eu or this is this is, new this canon is now current disney canon according to basically can i find a wiki I think it's Wikipedia article in the canon section. Think about things that would have articles about them, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not just people, yeah. but I know Boba yeah, Fett. W- what his weapon is in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So they made that canon. Yes, that's one. the The phase pulse blaster yep. is is one. Yes. Are you including Boba Fett himself too? 
That's separate, yeah. So that's the yeah. second one. Boba okay. Fett, his weapon. So that's two. You guys got two. Okay. Lumpy. Lumpy, yes. Lumpy is now canon. Uh, itchy. His, what, whatever, yeah. Itchy and Lumpy, whatever their long name is, they have yeah. real Lumpa names. Waru. I hate that yeah. they're canon. Cook. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's got to have a family, right? And so yeah, they give him the names from the show. Like, but yeah. Why does he hang out with He's Han always all away. The time? Yeah, like, why does he have yeah. to have a family? That's true. Yeah, I think I hope that they just wanted him to have a family and named it. But yeah, it might be that they're like, let's do this, you know, Christmas party. So that's four. You got four. Is Mala canon? Uh, y- yeah, you said that though, right? No, oh no, I, I you said, said Lumpy, Ichi, and, Lumpy Ichi. and Mala. Yeah. So yeah, the three, the three, all three are canon. Yeah. Which is weird because Maz calls Chewie her boyfriend. Well, I mean, Life Day is, not is like... technically canon. I don't know if you included. Yes. It. Okay. Yes. Would you count oh, like uh, tree huts? Um, Wookiees living in tree huts as canon, or or Kashyyyk itself? Kashyyyk, Kashyyyk. yeah, Kashyyyk oh, itself. Okay. Which yeah. we didn't talk about this, but it's super weird that they have English text in this because Star Wars doesn't do that. It should be right? Arabesh, yeah, yeah, it mm-hmm. should be Arabesh, which is weird because the numbers are fine, but the yeah the letters, right? And then they call it like Wookiee Planet C, but then they also they call it a bunch of different things. But call it is Kazook, yeah, Kazook, yeah, Kazook. I was super, but it is. The Kazook, yeah, it throws you mm-hmm. off because it's like this is Kashyyyk, right? I mean, it is. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, so you guys, uh, the the bartender and the cantina. Yep, Akmina. Yeah, she is canon now. She was in uh, Aftermath, I think. Yeah, something like that. Way to go, Aftermath! Just ruining everything. <laughs> These books are the worst. Uh, one is sort of related to something you already said. I mean, it, it it's sort of part of. The celebration, it's this, it's a setting. Uh, Wookie Ookies? No, it's where they celebrate the life day. The astral plane? No, it's some it's tree of life. An object, tree of life. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah oh, yeah, yeah yeah. I'll give that to you because that's a little confusing. One more though. There's one more thing that I was Gosh. able to find that is canon now. Can we have a hint to like if it's a person, a place, it's or a, a thing? It's it's a character. It is a character. Oh. San Bar or the whatever the trader's name is? Nope. Rat Boy from the Cantina. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, I know who it is. It's the the forearm cooking lady. Is it? Yep. <laughs> Gormanda yeah. is oh, Gormanda? canon. No. <laughs> <laughs> Julia Childs with four arms is canon. Suck it. What what is she canon in? Like when does she show up? There's some book or comic that's like side stories, you know, fun little you know side stories, and it's um the weird the oh what's it called from another perspective? Yes, but those aren't like really canon though. I'm again I'm I'm going off of what is has a canon page on Wikipedia in terms of whether it's considered canon or not. There's mm-hmm. obviously a Legends version of her, but the uh, Maz Kanata's... It's a side thing, right? So Maz Kanata has a chef that works at whatever, the castle, and uh-huh. that chef was inspired by video holotapes or whatever of Gormanda. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, Gormanda is... And I believe they say that she has four arms. So, great job, Disney. I'm, I'm a little disappointed in you, to be honest. Because this, yep. this is the problem, right? Is that people... These, so you guys... 
these are all like the 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 people who aren't going through like Kathleen Kennedy and like the board of things to like slip in stuff. Whatever the the stupid guy who writes the aftermath books, I feel like most of those books are just like him trying to screw with the canon and that sort of thing. And I feel like it's a lot of people who are like, I'm going to be clever and coy and put this back in. The thing is, though, there's supposed to be much more. Like, before, there was a really weird levels of canon under Lucas, you know? And, like, if it was in the movies, it was canon. But if it wasn't in the movies, it was, mm-hmm. like, sub-canon. And there was, yeah. like, levels. And it depended on what was mentioned. And it's supposed to be that everything is canon now, according you know, dis- basically yeah. how Disney handles everything it. And obviously they Disney care. Took it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so, like, stuff that you do at the park is considered, I believe, canon. I mean, that's the day. Technically... Canon, right? Me, yeah, I, I am canon. My, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm canon. Nice. No, no, no. Me as a character who lives on that too, and the things I say, but I can't really talk about the canon other than the uh-huh. things that they have told me are okay for me to talk about. So I have a list of things that this is my experience. I can create my own story in it, and so my story, my personal story on that too, is canon as long as it doesn't nice. interfere with any of the real canon. Of the planet. See, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's, it's on paper at least so, supposed to be much simpler yeah. now on what is and what isn't canon. And so, yeah, obviously there's more importance to what's in the movies versus everything else. But, like, there's no gradient anymore. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's, if it's in a piece of fiction that has been approved by Disney, it's supposed to be canon. Therefore, there is a forearm chef out in the universe. <laughs> the, the Star Wars universe's version of, like, uh, binging with Bantha or something, yeah. where <laughs> sounds about right. People are watching, put watching cooking shows. But yeah, I mean, I guess all of that stuff exists in Star Wars. It's just we don't never really cared to know about it. So yeah, you should make it your character's canon life goal to go find, hunt down, and kill Gormaa. Yeah, Gormaa. <laughs> I've heard of the chef. And, <laughs> I gotta go kill get. everyone who is in the holiday special who's now canon. Yeah. I, I, I've never been off my planet is the whole thing. I, and I'll never be off my planet. I was just born and raised on Batu, and that's how I'll live and die. Just a mm. citizen of my planet. The the very idea that there's a chef out there that, you know, has four arms and so is very fast and is telling you to do things that are physically impossible Stir whip. Stir whip. is is very <laughs> funny and they kind of blow it. I feel like it's a funnier concept than, than they execute. But then for Disney to be like Yes, there's a four-armed creature doing this <laughs> job that makes no sense. It doesn't even make sense for there to be cooking shows in Star Wars. But yes, mm-hmm. that exists. It's, it's yeah. very frustrating. Did they predict YouTube how-to videos? Because that's what a lot of these feel like. Whatever the opposite of ASMR is. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> also, okay, I, w- I will make a note in this that her her face is supposed to be painted silver, but with the poor quality of stuff, it definitely kind of looks like blackface. Yeah, when when I watched it and Julie watched in the room, she's like, "Is that blackface?" And I was like, "Yep, I, I don't know." <laughs> you can look up pictures, and it's silver, but with the poor lighting and the poor quality of it, it definitely looks like it's like, it takes on like a bronze look. Yeah, with the lighting, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's bad. It's and really Disney bad. decided, you know, this is the this is the problem with the and she's canon. Yeah, I was very excited for the way that Disney was going to treat canon because I thought they would be more discerning. But it mm-hmm. seems like they're more now. They're just letting anyone that likes something pull it and make it canon, you know, which has its benefits. They're able to reuse Thrawn somehow, and they yeah. they 
will probably continue to use him, but it sort of means that Most people are picking they are. what they like. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, they're able to, to reclaim stuff that they killed, but it also means stuff like this, that Lucas had kind of buried sort of becomes equal with, with Jackson, the weird rabbit. I think oh he's yeah. Canon the force again. sensitive. No, 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 what? no, no, way. he's not. No way. He is not Canon. <laughs> No way. Wasn't he in something? I thought they put Mm-mm. him in something. Mm-mm. I'll have to look that up. I, 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 I mean, I think they put that in that those like Easter eggs for like the big fans, but I think ultimately they're even if the character exists, it doesn't exist in the way it did. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a species or something in the background, okay. which is still stupid. <laughs> like you're taking that's what they'll do is they they take these things that even Luke is hated and they they make it an easter egg but then it's real well like if it, they redeem it, it that species exists. so like the mandalorian mm-hmm. how they've taken some things that were really obscure and then kind of redeemed them that like is yeah. really cool like the ig88 droid that we always thought was super cool just yeah. standing in the background mm-hmm. which was actually yep. just repurposed cantina parts put together and then put there mm-hmm. and it couldn't even move like it was really cool to see that in the mandalorian actually doing something when we've seen them in the tv shows as well so that's mm-hmm. true yeah if and i think that's good then we like yeah. it if they don't if they make it the same way then it's like this was trash to begin with and you just brought Mm -hmm. trash into your universe (laughs) yeah i i think it's sort of the opposite because like it was i sort of switched around where before these weird side species or whatever that they brought in like the forearm chef they could bury right but then there was these really long actually really important stories that were really stupid like how ig88 or one of that type of robot like took like hacked in one of the stories he hacked the death star and was about to blow it up before they blew it up anyway i think the second one yeah it's super dumb right and it's they put that in a story and it's so stupid but then the opposite happens with Disney where the actual stories they're telling aftermath not included but like are pretty good I, I think it's been better yeah like you're redeeming you're kind of mm-hmm. trading having some of the stupid side stuff in as Easter eggs in Canon for better stories yeah mm-hmm. across the board except for the knife in return of the Jedi I'm still upset about that the knife uh, rise right no sorry rise of Skywalker oh oh gotcha the dagger yeah Yep. Well, that, I think we should bring this bring this to a close. Been going on for a while now. Chris, thank you so much for being on the episode. Whenever the parks open back up, what is what is your character name? So I'm that... I'm open. We're open. Disney World. Is oh, open. you're open. Oh shoot. Yeah, we've been open for a I did while. Not realize that. I just got gotcha. a mask and everything. Huh. Uh, okay, gotcha. Now my name is just Chris, though. But oh, so do they let you like make a character name or that sort nah. of thing, or do they just have you? Oh, okay. Nah. Gotcha. Because I have a real name tag. It's like a Disney mm-hmm. name tag. It just says Chris. And instead of saying where I'm from, it just writes my name in Arabesh. So like how I oh, would okay. write my name. But thanks for having yeah. me. It's been really fun. I love mm-hmm. Star Wars. And even though this is a weird version of it, it's still fun to talk about. Yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get you on a better movie the next time. Probably one of the actual Star Wars films. So. <laughs> Yeah, every single guest we have during this series is like, "Are you guys mad at me?" Like, there's a little bit of like, "Why, why are you, you torturing me? me? Yeah. Why am I the one on this episode?" No, yeah, we'll have to have you on on something that's actually good. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, for our next episode is also not a good movie. <laughs> we are doing Ishtar, and we are bringing on 
I, once again, my dad, Rod Reed, since he actually saw it in theaters back whenever it came out. So, yeah, it'll be a, a fun time. I have not seen it. John, I don't know if you've seen it or not. I'm not looking I've forward to watching it. Yeah, I've heard stories. It's not going to be a fun time. <laughs> so make sure to follow us on uh, social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We have our videos up there now, so you should make sure to check them out. You can find us at Rules of the Frame. Uh, we'd also love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. That just really helps our show to become more visible. Or if you want to share it with friends and family members, we love that too. we got to say thanks to John for the use of the graphic and Caden Reed, Ethan Stafford, and Luke Hogan for the use of the theme song and the outro. This has been Variety TV Analysis for a Modern Audience. Gosh, dang. Do you want me to do the real one? I can do the real one. It's fine. <laughs>